Hi everyone and welcome to Devraga Personal Finance. My name is Devraga, I'm your host and in this episode we will discuss a particular corporation action called a share buyback. You may have heard about it, several companies in 2023 have actually bought back their own shares and you have to wonder, why would a company ever buy back their own shares? Now if you wondered, you get the answers today. Let's get started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. If you want me to discuss a specific topic, or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or via Facebook. And for those of you that are new to the channel, remember the three main aims, education, empowerment, and entertainment. Now to the main topic, what is a share buyback? If you think about what a share is, it's basically an ownership of the company that issues it. Companies have a range of ways to raise capital or raise money. And they use that money to expand their business operations. And one way to do this is by issuing shares, which investors like you and me can buy. But what is a share buyback? Companies do the reverse. They give money to investors to buy some of their shares back. So normally, people buy shares of a company, but now the company buys shares from the people. Some other names for this is stock buybacks or share repurchase programs. And usually a company does this because they have some excess cash laying around, which they want to utilize instead of utilizing to grow their business operations. So they don't want to spend the money to grow the business operations. They want to utilize the money to buy back some of their shares from the investors. And usually the company buys the shares back from the open secondary market. And sometimes they tend to write letters to investors who are interested in selling their shares back to the company. The investors are not under any obligation to sell their shares back to the company. So it's not a mandatory or compulsory process. It's entirely voluntary. The decision to buy back shares comes after board of directors discussions and a formal announcement is made. And in that announcement, the company stipulate how many shares they wish to buy back or what percentage of outstanding shares they wish to buy back. Which brings me to the concept, what does shares outstanding mean? This just means the total number of shares out there which are owned by the investors. Those investors can be retail or institutional investors or even from within the company itself called restricted share ownership owned by the company insiders. The shares outstanding doesn't usually include the shares owned by the company itself because that's called treasury shares. It only includes the ones accessible in the open market. Now, outstanding shares which usually appear on the company balance sheet can be used to determine some key company metrics such as company market capitalization, basically the share price multiplied by total outstanding shares, earnings per share, EPS, more on this later, and price to earnings ratio, PE ratio, more on this later. I've done dedicated episodes on this topic, episode 77 and 78, if you're interested. Now, why would a company buy their own shares back? A company's primary objective is to make money and make a profit. It needs to deliver to its shareholders, so a higher the profit means higher share prices, which hopefully means high dividends, which makes shareholders happy. And this is one way a company can deliver to their shareholders. The other main way is to pay its shareholders dividends. 
Dividends are basically when a company shares its profits after tax with its investors as a way of saying, thank you. Thank you for believing in us. Investors like dividends because it's an icing on the cake for holding shares in that company. Personally, I love dividends and always reinvest them back into the various companies which are within the index funds. The other way to recreate value for their shareholders is via share buybacks. So how does that work? The way the stock market works is when there is demand for a particular stock, the demand creates a buying frenzy, which then boosts the share price of that company. By companies buying a portion for their outstanding shares back, it creates this demand, which boosts the share price. This then creates value for the shareholders. A corporation's primary objective is to make profits, which equals boost value for shareholders. And it all comes back to this overarching principle. So by buying shares back, the company may be achieving its primary objective. To consolidate all of this, let's use an example. Amy owns company ABC stock and each share is priced at about a dollar. Amy bought each share for around 50 cents about five years ago and owns around 10 shares. So her cost base is $5. There are 100 outstanding shares. Company ABC has some cash sitting in the bank and they don't plan to use it to expand operations. They want to buy 25% of the outstanding shares back and this concentrates the shareholders. This means they want to take 25 shares out of the circulation and reduce the outstanding shares from 100 to 75. They are to offer to buy back these shares at current market value of a dollar. Therefore, the company spends $25 to buy 25 shares and takes it out of the circulation. This means there is less outstanding shares and there is some artificial demand for company ABC stock created by the company ABC. And this raises their share price to $1.25. Amy hasn't sold any of those shares back to the company, she's just held on to them. And by doing so, her share value went from $10 for 10 shares to $12.50 for 10 shares, which is 25% rise in value. This is substantially more than what she originally paid for it, which was only 50 cents per share, a total of $5 she used. So Amy has literally on paper at least made money without actually doing anything. Notice in this case, because Amy hasn't sold any shares and won't be doing so, her gains hasn't been realised. And this means there is no tax on unrealised gains in Australia. That's even a better bonus. Until, of course, the government changes that rule at some point. Now, the other option for the company would have been to distribute some dividends from their profits after tax. And let's say they decided to distribute a dividend of 10 cents per share and Amy owns 10 shares. This means she would have received an annual dividend of a dollar, which you could either cash out or use to buy more company ABC stock. I usually do the latter through my usual index fund strategy. One disadvantage of this is because dividends are considered as income, Amy will need to pay tax on them unless they're franking credits associated with this, and this all depends on the tax bracket for Amy. So it means receiving dividends technically is a tax inefficient strategy, but getting free money is good. Yeah, I know, it probably takes off the company value a little bit, but it's a nice psychological boost every three months to see some extra money coming into your investment account, which automatically, in my case, gets reinvested. The power of compounding is phenomenal. So how can a company buy their own shares back? So how does a share buyback affect a company's value? When a company buys its own shares back, this means the total outstanding shares are reduced. This permanently reduces the total outstanding shares. When you think about it, basically what the company has done is the opposite of giving up equity on their own company. They are buying their company equity back and protecting its ownership. It kind of makes sense, right? If you have money, why would they allow more shareholders to own part of their company, which entitles them to rights and decisions and objections and more importantly, a share in the profits, dividends. 
The way share buybacks affect company value is, number one, it creates a bit of a boost in demand for the company's shares, which may rise at share price, albeit short-term and artificial. Number two is it affects key financial metrics called earnings per share and price to earnings ratios, which are often touted as metrics to live or die by if you want to analyze a company. Now within this, there are sub-concepts. Earnings per share, I've talked about it, EPS. What does that mean? The way this is calculated is you take the total profit of the company and then divide the total outstanding shares. When I say total profit, I'm talking about net profit. And this gives a metric called earnings per share. If the earnings per share rises over time, it's a good thing. If the earnings per share falls over a period of time, it's generally a bad thing. So let's use an example to highlight this concept. Amy is investing in company ABC stock. Each share is a dollar. The net profits after tax and after all expenses is around $10 million. The total outstanding shares for this company is around 100,000. Therefore, the company earnings per share is 10 million divided by 100,000, which is $100 per share. Now, suppose company ABC wants to do a share buyback and wants to buy back 10% of the outstanding shares at market value, which is around a dollar. This means if shareholders want to sell, the company will buy 10,000 shares and take it out of the circulation. 10,000 shares is 10% of the total outstanding shares. This means there is now only 90,000 shares outstanding. Now let's redo the earnings per share calculation. If there's only 90,000 shares and there's 100,000 shares just before, then you have the same profits of $10 million divided by 90,000 shares. Now we've got an earnings per share of $111. Notice the $11 jump in earnings per share compared to the previous example. But it's not because the profits went up. Well, it's not because the company sold more products or services. It's simply because of the share buyback. In the formula, as the denominator becomes smaller, the EPS, the earnings per share, becomes larger. It's almost like a math trickery. So technically, by doing this, what has a company achieved? They've elevated the company's shareholder value. The second sub-learnings here is price-earnings ratio, P-E ratio. This is a financial metric which is used by technical analysts and investors to see if a company is undervalued or overvalued. This is just one financial metric in that assessment. The formula for this is current share price divided by earnings per share. The whole point of this calculation is to compare to other companies within the same sector. For example, you can't compare a PE ratio of a car company with that of a tech company, as it would not be suitable and could be defeating the purpose of doing so. But you can compare the PE ratio of General Motors and Ford to see how they stack up head to head. Same car company industry. There are two types of PE ratios. Number one is forward projections based on anticipation, and number two is trailing PE ratios based on past performance. If a PE ratio of a company appears lower on the analysis, it makes it look like a bargain, which entices investors to invest in that company. Now let's go back to the previous example. Amy is investing in company ABC stock, and each share is around a dollar. The earnings per share originally was $100. Therefore, the PE ratio for that company will be $1 divided by 100 which is 0.01. Now, if the company buys some of its shares back, like they did before, it did mean that the outstanding shares went from 100,000 to 90,000 outstanding shares, which artificially raises the EPS, the earnings per share. Let's see how that affects the formula for PE ratio. In the formula for PE ratio, the EPS, remember, is the denominator. And this means the new PE ratio would be a dollar divided by $101, so the PE ratio is 0.009. Notice now, if Amy was to compare this PE ratio to other companies in the same sector, it appears to have a lower PE ratio from just before. This makes it look more attractive to invest in. 
Remember, the previous PE ratio was 0.01. Now the PE ratio is 0.009. It looks cheaper. It looks like a better buy. So by buying back shares, company ABC stock, this is how companies can add value to the shareholders. In this case, it attracts more investors to spend their money to buy more shares, and given the reduced pool of shares due to the share buyback, it can push share prices up. Again, a bit of math trickery, so you need to pay attention to the stunts pulled by the companies to this effect. And for everyone who are active investors, you know what I'm talking about. You need to understand these principles. Now let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll discuss some examples of share buybacks in 2023 and more. Be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back. Now let's discuss some of the advantages of a share buyback. Number one is it directly boosts share prices. The main goal here is by reducing the pool of shares outstanding, it can drive up value for the remaining shares, i.e. it can generate more shareholder value. The board may feel a share buyback is appropriate because they feel the company stock is undervalued. Investors, on the other hand, perceive share buybacks as a vote of confidence which spurs more demand and drives up share prices. And technically, why would a company want to buy their own shares if they think it's overvalued, right? Number two is tax efficiency. If a company paid out dividends, it means it's taxable to the end beneficiary. If a company does a share buyback, the remaining shareholders who don't see their shares rise in value. Because this is unrealized capital gains, remember? And that's not taxed. Of course, for those shareholders who participate in the buyback, their profits will be taxed, less any CGT discounts, provided they held their shares greater than 12 months. Number three is share buybacks are once-off compared to dividends, which are perpetual. Dividends are a financial drug. Every quarter I log into my Vanguard account and check out how much dividends are being paid out and all of that gets reinvested automatically. I love it. Makes me feel happy. Makes me feel rich. But when they're cut and when they're less than what I anticipate, it's a bit of a bummer. So dividends are usually perpetual and if companies cut them, it risks pissing off the investors who may turn to other companies. While share buybacks are once-off, it only reduces the risks of investor mutiny. Number four is offset delusion. The large corporations attract more talent. They use alternative remuneration schemes like stock options to do so. 
So when they do this, it increases the total outstanding shares. To counteract this, some companies may buy back shares, so keeping the total outstanding shares the same. This is one of the lesser known reasons companies do this. What are some of the disadvantages associated of share buybacks? Sometimes companies borrow money to repurchase their own shares. This was quite popular during the low interest times, but now wouldn't make much sense. The reason why some companies did this is because the cost of borrowing money can be deducted. This all sounds fun and games until and unless an economic tailwind stops and turns to headwinds, then the companies become in debt traps. This also means credit reporting agencies will view this company in really bad light. In other words, credit reporting agencies don't see boosting shareholder value as a good justification of borrowing money. Here are some of the bad things about it. Number one, poor use of cash. The company is trying to get a short-term advantage. Instead, they could use that capital to grow their business and expand services. Number two is obscuring stock options to employees by repurchasing some of the shares. We discussed this before. Sometimes when companies buy back shares, it means they've issued shares internally to employees and usually executives as part of their compensation package. And this means it conceals the share dilution. So it's a bit dodgy, but not illegal. Now, what are some of the examples of share buybacks in 2023? Number one, Apple, May 2023. 3.4% of total outstanding shares. They spent $90 billion USD. Number two is Chevron Corporation, January 2023. 21.7% of total outstanding shares. That's massive. And they spent $75 billion USD. Number three is Salesforce, March 2023. 10.9% of total outstanding shares, which was $20 billion USD. And number four is UPS, January 2023. 3% of total outstanding shares, which was around $5 billion USD. Now, there are of course US examples. What about down under? What about locally? What about our backyard in Australia? Number one is NAB. Late August 2023, spent $1.5 billion worth after a surprise profit season. Number two is CBA Bank. August 2023, announced share buybacks in August 2023. The exact, I'm not really sure. Number three is Cochlear bought around 75 million of market value shares as a share buyback program, and there'll be more according to their advancement. Number four is ANP, which was in March 2023, $325 million in share buyback programs. Number five is Qantas, completed a billion dollars in share buybacks in 2023, despite their terrible reputation and ongoing media splack. So share buybacks are not rare, even in Australia. Many well-known and established companies around the world and locally use the program to create potentially more shareholder value. Now, what's the difference between a share buyback and a dividend? Dividends are an income play. Share buybacks are a capital play. Dividends are usually in the form of cash. Share buybacks are in the form of buying the shares back from the investors. And as I mentioned before, the tax implications are very different. One is considered income. The other one is considered capital gains, if you have a capital gain. Now, can a company forcibly buy their shares from you? No, the company cannot forcibly acquire shares for the large part from you if you do not want to sell them. Some people want to sell their shares back to the company because they feel they need the money or they think the price is going to fall or they're getting a pretty good deal. In Amy's case before, she paid 50 cents for the shares, but now the company wants to buy it back for a dollar. That's 100% profit. So she wants to take that. Is a share buyback an arbitrage opportunity? That's a really good question. Before we dive into this question, it's worthwhile to define what an arbitrage is. And I've got an episode coming up a bit later in the year about arbitrage as a concept. 
Now, I've done an episode way back in 2019, episode 26. If you want to listen to the real original DevRaga, go back where it was just me and an iPhone inside of my Tesla, where I discussed the various types of arbitrage if you're interested. Basically, what arbitrage is, is when you're able to take advantage of deferring prices of the same asset in different markets. When you think about it, the property market is kind of like this. Suppose you live in Melbourne where you get paid more and want to buy a property of similar quality or size or function and facilities back in Adelaide when compared to Melbourne, the Adelaide property market is significantly cheaper and possibly in a better suburb too. So you could use your higher income to buy a better equivalent property with all the features and bells and whistles in Adelaide compared to Melbourne. And likewise, think about clothing and shoes and apparel. It might be cheaper to get it in another country than in Australia for the same product. So when you come to a share buybacks, when a company does this, remember, they reduce the pool of outstanding shares available. So when they offer to buy back the shares, sometimes they pay market value, but sometimes they pay more than market value to attract more shareholders to give up some of their shares. That is the shareholders giving up the equity in the company. And this creates a classic arbitrage opportunity because basically they pay more than they need to to get more shareholders to sell their shares. In fact, in March 2022, this happened to the large corporation called Tata Consultancy Services based in India. They offered to buy back shares at 4,500 rupees, whilst the market value was only 4,000. So if you sold it, you made an easy 12.5% return on your shares, no risk at all. Such opportunities are rare, but not impossible. So is a share buyback good or bad for the economy? Now you've heard a lot about this, and if you watch a lot of media, there are a lot of people saying share buybacks should be banned. In fact, a lot of US senators say the same thing. It's a very contentious topic, and it really does depend on your viewpoint. Some people argue the share buybacks are bad for the economy, whilst others say it's good for the economy. Let's analyze both sides, and I'll tell you Devraga's opinion. Now, let's see why it's potentially good for the economy. This is one side. The whole principle of corporations is they need to get higher returns to the shareholder. This is the fundamental philosophy. We have demonstrated by learning about share buybacks that they can increase shareholder value, especially those that don't sell the shares. Increased shareholder value means overall they become wealthier. If this compounds over the entire financial markets, it means it reflects on how people feel called the wealth effect. This spurs more spending and spurs more economic activity, which is good for the economy. Because remember, the economy is a feedback loop. When I spend money, I spend money in businesses that helps them make profit and that profit can be reinvested and increases employment, and I make more money, and I spend that money. That's an economic feedback loop. If you're interested, have a listen to Nick Hanoa. He talks about this concept really well. Now, the wealth effect is a real thing. When you turn on the TV and the stock markets have gone up and you tend to feel better about yourself and feel wealthy, which ironically leads to more spending, which has been shown before, it's data-driven. Now, this viewpoint is only for people who think the stock market and economies are related, which is contentious in itself. Some people feel that the stock market doesn't reflect only a portion of the economy and not the entire economic participants. I tend to agree with that. Now, the viewpoint of why it's bad for the economy. Some people think share buybacks are bad for the economy. The reason for that is sometimes share buybacks are funded by debt. This debt is a liability and a risk for the company. This means companies unnecessarily take on more risk to create shareholder value, which is their number one goal. This means when the economic winds change direction, as they have in the last three years when interest rates have risen, these companies are vulnerable to bankruptcy and unable to pay back their debt 
and therefore poor shareholder returns, which ultimately screws the shareholder, and therefore they lose out. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Now here's my view. Whenever people do things to create more value whilst being the same productive self, it's a disaster waiting to happen. No matter which side of politics you're in, being productive means providing a product or service and doing things for your company which increases revenue, which reflects in its profits and therefore genuine shareholder value. But share buybacks to me seems like a cheating way to artificially raise earnings per share, PE ratio, to make things look good on paper and artificially create shareholder value. It doesn't sit well with me. Noting that it's not illegal to offer share buyback programs, but it's basically a math game that they're playing. It's a bit like just renaming the dimensions of your home. It'd be bigger, therefore it's worth more, it fits more things, whilst the house hasn't really expanded. You haven't expanded the house. You haven't renovated it. You haven't added rooms or facilities. No one will pay more for that, will they? Maybe they will in Sydney and Melbourne, just by artificially changing your diagrams and making it look bigger, but it's not actually bigger. Anything is possible in Sydney and Melbourne. Now, we've covered a lot in this episode, so let's recap. Number one, share buybacks. The good, the bad, the ugly, the pros and cons and risks. We've also covered the sub-concepts of PE ratio and earnings per share. We've briefly touched on arbitrage, which I'm gonna be talking about coming up in the future. So stay tuned for that. And number four is the economic impact, both viewpoints from share buybacks. That's it for this episode. Remember to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be using, or leave a five-star rating on all of the platforms even better, and please leave a positive review. On that note, here's a review from Tom, Apple. Thank you. Dev has a great take on providing sensible and holistic educational material to empower positive change. Thanks, Dev. Thanks, Tom. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to these podcasts, so please keep them coming. My name's Dev Raga, and this is Dev Raga Personal Finance, and please, until next time, make sure you stay safe. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.